My name is Andrea. I'm a compulsive overeater. I want to thank Ina for inviting me. Welcome to the newcomers. Um, and I'm going to be sharing from a book. I attended a meeting and someone had mentioned something that they had gotten out of this book called Abstinence. And it really resonated with me. And I thought to myself, I think I have that book. So I rummaged around in my closet and my bag of OA tricks. And I found this book on abstinence and I've been looking through it. And so the page that stuck out with me is on page uh, 58. It says it works if you work it. Um, and I'll just kind of start in the middle. It says the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous focuses on freedom from compulsive eating. I believe that this concept encourages us not only to eliminate behaviors such as binging, eating certain foods or eating at certain times and places, but also to eliminate all those behaviors that tend to lead us into compulsive eating and those that allow us to find comfort in food, be it excess or not. To those of us who've come a long way emotionally, spiritually, and physically, but who still carry excess weight of which I am one, I can only say that it's the continuous elimination of compulsive eating behaviors that leads to continued recovery from this disease. As long as I'm overweight, I'm eating more food than my body needs. And if I'm eating more than I need, I'm overeating. Simple overeating leads to compulsive overeating, which can lead me right out of the program. And some who leave the program never find their way back. I have to take my abstinence seriously. Everything else in my life must revolve around it. There's no other road to recovery for me, but the one paved with abstinence. And there's no other guidance on that road, but my spirituality. The two go hand in hand. I can't have one without the other. If I remain overweight, then there are still some food choices and eating behaviors that I'm not turning over to God. It means I've not enriched my spiritual life enough to eliminate these things. I must continue to eliminate them if I want continued recovery, no matter where I am in recovery or how much I weigh, I must always be willing to turn over more than I think I need to, especially when it comes to food. No, thinness doesn't mean wellness, but being overweight doesn't either. I believe I can be free of the compulsion and the fat. There's nothing to fear. God will take me there if I'm willing to give up the crutch of excess food. I have to get out of my own way and let God do the work. Okay, so that's what I want to share on today. I could have written that paragraph, I mean, that um, passage. It just describes perfectly my struggles with compulsive eating now. So I'll just qualify by saying... I've been abstaining from recreational sugar since June 1st, 2020. So that's 18 months. And I've given away 37 pounds. I always go fast because 15 minutes flies by. But anyways, I've given away 37 pounds in this abstinence. I'm 92 pounds down from my top weight. Very grateful for where I am in my recovery, but I'm still uh, recovering, right? So what it was like quickly, I've been fat all my life. You know, I, exception of birth, I was a premature baby. I only weighed two pounds at birth. And my brother used to joke that he could just, someone should take a picture of him holding me in the palm of his hand because I don't think he could do it now. Um, I come from a large family. There are eight of us. I was number seven. My parents worked very hard to take care of us and took pride in the fact that we never went without, right? We always had plenty of food and we never, um, we never went hungry. And with that, unfortunately, um, uh, they were working. So they didn't, weren't the most affectionate parents. And I learned on early that um, the 
mark of being a quote unquote good girl was just being self-sufficient, taking care of my own emotional and physical needs as much as possible. So that's been ingrained in me since, since childhood. And because we were never restricted on what we could eat, I discovered sugar early on in life and it worked, right? Because when I was kind of feeling any kind of feelings, I could turn to the sugar and I learned early on that it suppressed my feelings. So you can imagine I just, we picked our own cereals, which of course were laden with sugar, our own drinks. My mother allowed us to pick whatever we wanted and never restricted. So I was a chubby child most of my, you know, my growing up. Um, and I was probably about 16 and, but I never really thought about dieting. It was never really a focus of my family. It was just the size I was. But when I was 16, I decided, you know, I'm heading off to college soon. I want to try to do something about my weight. I was probably about a 180 pounds at that time. And I was watching a late night commercial and they had advertised something about Overeaters Anonymous as a place to go if you wanted to kind of lose weight and keep it off because they had commercials back then. And I went to some church basement and I walked into a meeting and I heard people reciting God, things about God. And I said, oh, in a circle, I said, this is a cult. And I left and I stayed away for a number of years, but somehow that seed was planted. Then I went off to college and um, instead of uh, losing, gaining weight in the first year of college, I started jogging and I lost about 35, maybe 35, 40 pounds, got down into my smallest adult life that I can ever remember is 145 pounds, started getting a lot of male attention. It made me very uncomfortable. <laughs> and so I quickly put back on my fat suit for protection and I continued to just gain weight and getting more and more depressed because I could not control this weight gain. And I didn't do it by uh, gaining and losing. I wasn't that one up down thing. I was just kind of work out, get to a new late weight um, plateau there when some stressor happened, you know, uh, I would gain more weight because I wasn't working out as much. And so I would gain my weight in this stepwise fashion until I got all the way up to about 300 pounds. And, um, and, and during that time, I would go to OA meetings, you know, intermittently when I had various levels of desperation. And I remember going to one meeting one time and announcing that I was a newcomer, but quickly trying to leave because I was getting so much attention from the people in the room. And someone followed me out and gave me a hug and said, keep coming back. And it just touched me so much that I, I started crying. And when I got to my car, I just turned off the radio because I had never heard myself cry. As an adult, I didn't have feelings. In fact, I lived by the three F's fear, food, and fantasy, fear of everything, success, failure, intimacy, rejection. And so I would just suppress all those feelings, which is what I learned how to do as a child with food because it worked. And then I would fantasize about this great life I would have when I finally got to um, And so, but even though that seed was planted, I got up, like I said, 300 pounds and I decided it was time for bariatric surgery. That was about... Um, 25 years ago, 20, 25 years ago, I can't remember. But before that, I just um, went to the weighing and measuring version of this program. I got lost 90 pounds, but I wasn't really working the steps. I was following a diet um, and I was on a plane one time and they offered me a cookie. And you know, I'd been on planes before, it was easy to say no. But for some reason I ate that cookie and I tried not to panic because something felt wrong when I was doing it. And sure enough, it started, triggered a relapse that lasted for me about 15 years. I regained all the weight and an additional 10 pounds. So I got up to my top weight around 310 pounds. And that was in, I remember in May, March or May, one of the M months, I um, went to the doctor and I was no longer just pre-diabetic because I could just dismiss pre-diabetes. But when I also actually said I was diabetic, 
um, that triggered a fear in me that was greater than, you know, a fear of surgery, which is the, yeah, the idea of diabetes. I hated that disease. So that's when I did decide to have the gastric bypass surgery. And I had that in November of 2017. Um, I had lost 10 pounds before that because you had to show that you were committed to doing this um, new food plan. So I lost 10, but then I lost another um, 80 pounds in the first five months after surgery. And it was the closest thing I ever had of just going to bed fat and waking up thin or, you know, for me then, you know, cause I lost it in like in five months and it was just amazing. But the reason I lost it is cause I couldn't eat sugar, right? Um, if I ate sugar, I had a really serious digestive issue with it. Uh, that was the first five months. And then after five months, I found I could eat it just a small amount and it didn't make that much of a difference, but I did, um, gain five pounds. Uh, and, um, after a while, I kept eating the sugar and I gained another five pounds, but I reassured myself that I wasn't going to be one of those people who lost the surgery and uh, gained it all back, uh, had the surgery, rather, lost a lot of weight and then gained it all back. That was not going to be my story, but then it became uh, another five pounds. And finally, by January of 2020, I had regained um, 20 pounds. And that's when I started to get a little nervous. I started working out at the gym a little reg more regularly. And, but I was still eating sugar. I didn't gain any more weight, but I didn't lose any either. Uh, then the pandemic hit and I couldn't get to the gym as much as possible. And I gained another 10 pounds. So I was up 30 pounds from, you know, after my bypass surgery. And that's when I started getting really panicky. And I came back to OA via Zoom in serious this time. And I heard you guys talking about the steps and I needed to work the steps. Um, and I found a sponsor who, um, had what I wanted just because of the fact that she had lost a hundred pounds and that's all I knew about her. And, but her approach was a very slow and loving approach. When I was in panic mode, I felt like I was drowning. You know, I had gained back these 30 pounds and I couldn't stop eating the sugar. And I just, I just had to figure out how to work the steps. And despite the fact that she was assuring me, you know, we're reading through the big book, we're going page by page, we're working the steps. It just wasn't fast enough for me because I wanted it done my way. And I kept looking through and listening to people who were talking about going to meeting, you know, big book studies. And I would go to her and I'd say, okay, what about this? She says, well, we're doing the steps, you know, just basically she was saying, take direction, but it, it just wasn't my way. And so I remember on June 1st, I, um, June 1st, you know, I come to her for what one more, um, meeting that I had heard about a big book study that I had heard about that was, you know, a way to work through the steps. And she just said to me, Andriette, stop. And at that point in June 1st of 2020, I was struck abstinent and it's an absolute miracle. It's not my doing. It's really not. I can say it because now the sugar doesn't even call to me in my office. I'm the, I'm like the candy pusher, the sugar pusher. I would have this little bowl of chocolates that was there, not for me, of course, but just in case anyone came to the office and just wanted a little sweet. But, you know, prior to that, I was eating them every three hours. I was eating one of those little chocolates. Um, and now it sits there and it could be a bowl of rocks. It just doesn't call to me. We've gone through several holidays, including like Halloween, this, you know, Christmas last year, Thanksgiving, all of these uh, opportunities to just indulge in some kind of sugar, or it could be any day for me, but and it just doesn't call. And I, it really floors me sometimes how people say things to me in the office when they're distributing things. And they say, oh, but she doesn't eat sugar. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, they're talking about me. <laughs> I don't eat sugar. And it's, it, that's where I am right now. And it's absolutely amazing. So I recognize this is a gift because it's not my doing at all. And I am working regularly to protect that gift. And that's why the reading kind of stood out to me because, you know, 
in order to keep this gift, but also to kind of continue to work on my compulsive eating behavior, because it's not just the sugar, which I'm very grateful for. I'm not saying that um, I would say, okay, I changed my mind now to eat the sugar and kind of uh, do something else instead. No, I'm just going to continue to not engage in recreational um, sugar, but also recognize that there are certain situations that trigger my compulsion to eat, right? As my protection, as this security blanket that I've grown up having because it was always readily available and it worked. And, and But I also recognize for me that even though I'm not, thank you, I see that. Even though, um, thanks Nancy, I, even though I don't um, eat sugar, I there's still that compulsion to eat. So how do I protect my, um, my abstinence? I take direction, which is the most important thing because my way has not worked <laughs> for you know 57 years. My way has not worked. And so I start every morning just reconnecting with the higher power. I do a morning meditation where I try just for one minute to just breathe in and breathe out. I start off by um, asking God for direction with the prayer of God today is a new day for me and with you. It can be a new day of abstinence. With you, I can handle anything. I ask for your protection today from anyone or anything that may interfere with my abstinence. I'm asking now for your protection in case sometime during the day, my desire to stop to compulsively eat becomes stronger than my desire to abstain. I know that I'm powerless over food and that my life can become unmanageable again. I turn my life and my will over to you. And in the morning, it's good. You know, I start up that day. I, I've got that connection with a higher power and I get through a big chunk of the day. I write my gratitudes also in the morning. But what I'm finding is all of my life, I've, I'm, I'm learning this now. I'm just a, um, an adrenaline junkie. And so I procrastinate and procrastinate. And then I get to the evening and I haven't gotten any of my work done. And it's becoming this mountain of work that I can't get done. And my sponsor keeps saying to me, just take it in chunks. How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And by no, I've got to get through this, you know, all of it tonight and it doesn't get done. And so I stay up late at night, you know, having a cup of coffee and having that, you know, snack, which is not fruit. Maybe it's a not sugar as could be a piece of fruit. It could be an extra handful of potatoes, just but something that goes with the staying up late, but it's all coupled with this procrastination and I stay up really late and I'm really exhausted. And then the next day starts the same cycle and I've gotten none of the work done. If I had just taken direction the day before and just done a piece of it, by today I wouldn't be caught up, you know, <laughs> but instead I do it this struggle. I struggle with this. And I recognize that just as I have to take direction with my food, I have to take direction with this, you know, the craziness of my life, this chaos, and, you know, ask my higher power. So I'm working now on just doing that meditation later in the day, connecting with the higher power later in the day, and just trying something new, just taking direction and listening to what my sponsor says about just taking a small piece. So instead of thinking I'm going to accomplish it all in this evening, which is not going to happen, you know, because she'll listen to me, she says, okay, I'll just let you keep banging your head against the wall until you're just ready to to surrender, just like, you know, ready to surrender with other things. And I recognize it's all connected, that um, this compulsion is over, is, is there. And um, it's, it's the reason I think I can recognize it is because at least for now, the sugar's out of the way. There's still, you know, she said, it's like whack-a-mole. You kind of knock down one area and something else pops up, you know? And so the sugar's out of the way for now, but I, I'm, it's allowing me to kind of see some of the, my character defects that are surfacing in the process. And it's just a wonderful journey. It's um, a marathon, not a sprint. And I'm just grateful that I have a space to kind of explore this that is safe for me and is ultimately helping me to um, 
achieve and maintain a healthy weight. And I'll get there when God's ready for me to get there. And I saw you, Nancy, and I'm just going to close up by saying thank you for letting me share.